Welcome to the 399th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thank you for listening. Well, I turned the big 6-0 this past week and I'd like to thank everyone for the well wishes and happy birthday wishes on the Facebook um, Addie did a um, neat birthday present. She called um, some members of the practice and some colleagues and some friends from current times and past times and asked them to say happy birthday and say something that they remembered about me and uh, put that together in a little video birthday wish, and it was awesome. Uh, one of the best birthday presents I ever had, hearing from people that I haven't seen, hearing people sing that I had never heard sing, laughing about a few things that have happened to us over the, t- over the years. Um, so it was just really, really nice. Um, had a special birthday PowerPoint presentation from uh, one of my members. Thank you, Kathy Thornhill. I don't think she'll mind me um, mentioning her name, but she actually did a PowerPoint to the story of my uh, quick, the quick version of my, my story of plant-based evolution. So it was, it was really, really nice. And I appreciate everybody's effort and taking time to do a video. It's um, if you've ever done a video, maybe you do a lot of them. It's not an easy thing to do, you know, once you're staring at a camera and figuring out where to stare, you know, um, but I, I did appreciate hearing from friends, families, practice members, colleagues. It was really, really nice. And it took me to a great opportunity to talk on the podcast about time. Um, you know, entering my 60s, um, sometimes um, you start to think that maybe uh, I'm on the backside or the downhill slope or what's the purpose and just do what you want to do. Uh, times are running out. Uh, all those different things come to mind. Um I even had some people wish me, you know, welcome me to the 60s, you know, like, look out, here it comes, Uh, this is what I've been telling you about, things are going to fall apart, Um, but, and also some people welcome me to, you know, this is uh, more time to think, more time to um, reflect, perhaps more time to spend with family, It, it becomes more precious, and I know over the past years, I've decided that uh, my time is my most valuable commodity. And I am very, very um, stingy with whom I want to spend my time with. And I often will say, or, you know, is that person, would I eat lunch with that person? It's kind of funny, because I almost never go out to lunch unless we're traveling. But, you know, if, if I go out to lunch with somebody, it's a big deal that I'm going to take time to actually sit down and eat lunch and take time from doing something else. So that's a, that's a really big deal for me, um, the time that would be spent on taking time to sit down and go out to lunch. So those people are very special. So if you've had lunch with me, you know you're, you're very special. Um, I don't think that, you know, I, I feel if, if I reflect a little bit, I, I feel that there's a whole lot I want to do. There's a whole lot I want to do with the practice. I feel like this practice is still, still a, a secret that people don't realize how much they could take their health back and how good they could actually feel. 
sometimes it saddens me to see people who I think may have given up on their ability to normalize their BMI or their ability to move or travel or do things because they think either they're too old or they're too sick or they're too overweight or they have too many aches and pains because I think there's always time to turn things around. I also think, and I'm also frustrated when I see people that uh, perhaps, and I guess we all get to spend our time like we want, but as I see time perhaps narrowing uh, for, for some people, I, I feel anxious that they need to spend their time getting their health back. Um, and there's no time to waste, so to speak, that we've got to make every day count. And, and I think that that's, that's uh, you know, one of my themes is I, I like to make every, every day count. I had a friend once that we were playing golf, and we, he used to say that, you know, it's like people talk about whether I had a good golf game or a bad golf game. But he would come up with something good that happened during the golf game. So there was a good thing that happened. So it was never a loss. It was something good. And I, so I think there's a lot of times that we don't take our days and look for the good and look how we could make it a little bit better. We kind of squander our chances to regain our health or squander our chances to um, spend quality time with other people, put things off uh, that we assume that we'll have more time to do, and we just don't know uh, exactly when, you know, our our last days are are up. But I think we, you know, uh, again, uh, I like to spend my days showing people that they have a whole lot more control over how they feel and how they spend their days than than they perhaps actually do. I think sometimes we take what we see each day for granted. Maybe we're not going on a special trip or doing something special, perhaps. Um, it was really fun to spend time with Caleb uh, over this past week, my two-year-old grandson, and experience things through his eyes. Um, everything's exciting. The simple things in life are a wow, wow moments, and there's no reason why we can't all have more oh wow moments. We just don't take time to recognize the, the beauty in simple things. And, uh, you know, so perhaps I, I would share that, uh, you know, taking more time to just, just appreciate the, the simple things. I, I know a lot of people go on a lot of adventures and uh, hypnosis type trips and different experiences to experience wow type moments. But um, if you look real close around you, especially if you go outside, you can see a lot of wild moments uh, without having to do much. Um, you know, we went to Moat Marine here as an aquarium in Sarasota and, you know, saw the wildlife that uh, inhabit Florida. And uh, again, a lot of wildlife, wildlife moments, just simply walking around, even going to see airplanes in an airfield uh, in a little town called Arcadia. Taco Tuesday, we went to a taco truck, you know, and had vegan tacos uh, with beans and rice, had a smoothie that was a mango smoothie, and uh, saw airplanes, and, uh, you know, saw cows and pigs, and, you know, things that, oh, wow moments for a kid, but the beauty of the area where we went in this little town was um, something I hadn't seen living in Florida all these years. I'd never been to this little airport, and it uh, was such a nice day. Um, sitting with a neighbor, watching little airplanes, meeting people at the airport. So a lot of simple things can be oh-wow moments. 
One of the other things, if I go back to Moat Marine, was um, you know when we talk about blue zones and people having a sense of purpose and social interactions with others, there were a lot of retired people working or volunteering at Moat Marine. Um, again, educating kids as they come by at the different exhibits, uh, helping people out to work some of the things that uh, you could do and uh, tell people about, uh, you know, the different animals that, that we saw. And you could see that they really enjoyed educating other people. They really liked the sense of engagement. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we all need to kind of experience uh, what's our why, what's, what's the next chapter in the life, whether it's... Uh, you know, changing locations, turning a little bit older, uh, moving on from, you know, different, uh, different jobs or careers. Um, I think there always needs to be something, something that excites you, something that you get to choose, something that allows you to be around other people um, to give yourself a sense of purpose. So it was really neat seeing uh, the people so engaged and so pleasant. You know, I think sometimes people can um, you know, the thought of, you know, getting old and crotchety, so to speak, and not wanting to deal with kids and not wanting to deal with people. And we complain about everybody and all the negative things. And it was nice to see people that were older that were so positive and so um, engaging with young people. I don't think there's ever time to take our health for granted, no matter what age you are. Um, you know, I think there are more people that are struggling with their health, struggling with their weight at an early age, but they don't feel the sense of urgency in time because they're younger. And it becomes the norm to be on a medication or to have a procedure done or to have something hurt, and it doesn't necessarily have to happen. I spoke with someone today in their early 40s that had high cholesterol and it's like that is typically when people start to get high cholesterol and things start to hurt perhaps or um, they're not quite as active or they start to notice that their health is not quite as good maybe their thyroid's not working right or they have gallbladder disease or they start to have indigestion or high cholesterol or high blood pressure and it's assumed that you take a medicine and go on, but this is the time that you really need to grab on and say, okay, we've not to change these things. Because it's a, it's a sign that your body has started to accumulate metabolic waste. And that metabolic waste is what ends up causing disease and pain and irritation and inflammation. And by ignoring that, it just continues to get worse. Um, I've visited houses and made house calls over the years. And, you know, the, I always notice people's house that sometimes things are very neat and organized and simple, but more often than not, when people get older, they start to accumulate knickknacks and things all over the place. And things are out because they can't really put them away or it take time to put them away. And it's the same way in our bodies. We start to accumulate knickknacks called metabolic waste that start to make us not feel good and we don't want to take time to clear them out or you know you you arrange them a little bit or you might go on a fad two week three week type diet or maybe a two or three day um you know health conscious adventure only to let it go and you know i i think that we need to set a time set time aside to be start to address these metabolic 
accumulations that we're having in order to start to reverse things a little bit. But then I hear people say, well, it's hard to give things up because other people are doing and eating what they want. And I feel as though it's, neg it's a negative punishment to have to eat plant-based, that I'm giving things up here in my later years of life when I can now afford to do uh, go out to dinner. I can afford to buy things that um, I, I perhaps couldn't afford when I was younger. And I don't want to have to be restrained. And, and you know, I, I guess I look back on Caleb again, and, you know, we're teaching him or Addie's teaching him, you know, rules, you know, the rules of behavior, table manners, you know, how to act, interact with other people as you do children. But at some point we become adults and we forget all the rules and it's all about doing what we want, when we want, how we want, and don't let anybody tell us what we want, um, which is polar opposite of what we're trying to teach our kids. One of the questions that you might ask in that situation is, what do you really want? You know, why, why are you living? Why do you want what you want? What does it get you? Um, eating what other people eat, uh, are those, have you had the conversation with those other people? Are they in perfect health? Are they on no medications? Have they had no procedures? Do they have any aches and pains? Does eating what they eat get you what you want? Um, you know, why is it that you would like to continue to live? And did you realize that you could actually continue to live without pain, um, without taking a handful of medicine every day, without being short of breath when you bent over, um, being able to get on and off the floor, that what you eat is actually re related to those things. So if you know what you want, um, then it's easier to make the decision accordingly. Perhaps we adults are as um, we've been marketed to have what we want, when we want, all we want. We deserve all these things um, as much as kids, you know, that are shown the sugary cereals and all the candies and things. Um, it's no much difference. We're, we're all victim to the marketing of we should be able to have what we want, when we want, at, without actually looking at the cost of, of what it actually um, costs to do those things to us. At the end of the day, food is to provide us with nutrition in order to sustain life. And the quality of that life is directly proportional to the quality of that nutrition. And if we entrust that to someone that is, um, you know, looking at sheer profits, it's probably not going to happen. It's always going to be difficult to be plant-based and to eat simply because that's just not how society runs. Society is really evolves around selling things and selling health care and selling, selling disease. If everybody to eat healthy, then most likely there wouldn't be um, the fast food restaurants couldn't sustain themselves. You know, how many, how many restaurants have popped up over the last 30 years and different, you can find anything different in any town to eat that you, you might want that's bad, any country, uh, you can find KFC, uh, any place, anywhere. Um, and there are more and more health buildings coming up, uh, providing different health care. Um, the health care facilities are becoming mega, 
mega buildings with mega, uh, you know, multiple, multiple doctors and now nurse practitioners and um, physicians assistants and a variety of imaging centers and we're not getting healthy. So that's not really fixing us, but it's actually making us more dependent on what is the marketing norm. So we eat the bad foods we need more health care. We go to the hospitals. They serve us bad foods. They do procedures, and we rinse and repeat. And so we become part of that cog. We see it on TV. It's marketed to us 24-7, and it's really hard to be an outlier, an outlier that does something different. So it comes down to you really have to make a choice. Is that what you want, or uh, and, and why do you want it? So I wanted to look at uh, just one study today. And it was a study that was uh, published in the Journal of American Medical Association, and they took the participants from a large multi-country study uh, looking at just being up on your feet, standing. Standing versus sitting versus, you know, or laying. And then vigorous activity was thrown in, and um, income status was also looked at as a factor. So they looked at 105,677 patients. They followed them for 11 years. Um, average age was in the late 50s. Over that 11 years and 105,000 plus patients, there were 6,233 deaths, 5,696 major cardiac events such as a heart attack, stroke, heart failure, or a death due to heart attack. So a lot of bad things happened in those 11 years to those 50-year-olds, average age people that were followed in this study. So right there, if you look at that statistic, as far as our healthcare goes, following people as they age, bad things happen. We're not fixing them. We're just watching these them happen. So now they divided those people into, via questionnaires, do you sit less than four hours a day, four to six hours a day, or six to eight hours a day, or are you sitting more than eight hours a day? And as far as vigorous physical activity, do you get 150 hours, 150 minutes of vigorous activity a week? Uh, 150 to 750 or greater than 107, uh, 750 minutes a week. And they looked at those groups of people. And as you might expect, if you sat more than eight hours, you had a significant risk of one of those above outcomes, death from any cause or a major cardiac event, including cardiovascular deaths. And depending on how much you exercise, um, with that, you could increase that risk if it was less than 150 minutes up by 50%. So seven, some say place between 17 and 50% increased risk in one of those bad events if you sat more and you exercised less. So what does that mean? Most people will say, I never sit down. That's what people tell me. They never sit down and they eat salad all day long. But yet there's all this cardiovascular disease everywhere. So we know that's not quite right. So let's look at what that might mean. If you were to walk three miles in the morning at an 18 minute pace, and that's a pretty vigorous walk for most people, that would be 54 minutes of standing. If you sleep eight hours a day, which seven to eight hours is recommended, that gives you seven to eight hours of not 
standing. If you work a job that is predominantly sedentary, that you sit down in an office, that's eight hours of sitting. Eight hours of sitting while you work, eight hours of sitting, laying down while you sleep, gives you 16 hours, which only gives you eight hours less left to stand up. So that means you have to stand up the whole time. So how many people do that? Okay, and we have to figure in eating meals, right? So um, people say, well, I never sit down to eat. I don't like that. I think you should sit down and eat, have your plate. I, I believe truly in family meals or having a sitting down at the table and eating your, your meal, even if you're by yourself. Uh, grazing thing is meant for farm animals, not for people. So I'm going to give you... 30 minutes to sit down to eat. So 30 minutes times three would be an hour and a half. Now that's another hour and a half. You got out of those eight hours awake if you have a sitting job. If you stood up every, you know, five minutes an hour, that only gives you 40 more minutes during the day of standing. If you have a job that you're on your feet all day long, you know, hey, that's good. Um, a lot of people don't want those jobs because those are the manual labor jobs. Um, if you're a driver, you know, again, you can see how you can be, um, sitting most of your day and that, and that could also add up to be detrimental. So I'd encourage you to look at how much you sit each day and what can you possibly do to change it. And when it comes back to food, one way to change that really easy is to cook your own food. If you go out to dinner, you drive, sitting while you drive. Most people don't walk to dinner, but there are some. But if you sit to drive, and you sit while you're being waited on, and you drive home, you've lost a lot of standing time for the day. On the other hand, if you go and get your groceries, and you stand and prepare them, and you clean up afterwards while standing, you've gained some standing time. So just changing that activity in your day can really swing you one way or another. A lot of people say they hate to stand and prep vegetables, but what if that was considered cardiac rehab? Because in some sense it is, because you're, more or less, you're less likely, if you're standing a little longer, to die of heart disease than sitting. The other question I like to play head games is what would you do if you weren't? So, you know, when I'm out running in a long run, it's like, what would you do if you weren't doing this? You know, would you be just sitting? We all want time to just be able to relax, but how much time do we actually just relax and how much time do we need to actually relax, especially if that relaxation is potentially killing us because we're sitting? So can you um, limit your TV time? Can you exercise during your TV time? Can you um, be up during the commercials during your TV time? Now we all learned with COVID to binge watch, so that makes that even more difficult. So again, I would encourage you to look at your uh, standing time. The other thing that I would uh, encourage you to do is look at your salt intake. It's recommended uh, the DASH diet, American Heart Association, 1,500 milligrams of sodium be the max you uh, take in a day to be healthy. There was a recent study that came out that if you use salt substitutes, um, if you don't have kidney disease, because most of them are potassium chloride, you can actually prevent heart failure. 
So soft substitutes are certainly something to, you know, to go for. But what if you're, you know, again, at the mercy of somebody else preparing your food? The first thing, you have to realize that a restaurant is not going to buy organic, BPA-free, no-salt-added, canned anything or frozen anything. So you're going to get the full-salt, maximum-shelf-life food when you go out to dinner. So just going out to dinner means your sodium intake markedly increased. When I was driving to go to the airport the other day, I saw a billboard with Cracker Barrel and they advertised cheesecake pancakes. You know, if Cracker Barrel couldn't get any worse, cheesecake pancakes tops the list. So cheesecake anything, I don't care if it's vegan cheesecake, that means fat, right? Uh, that means cholesterol, that means, you know, bad things, and cheese usually means salt, but Cracker Barrel now has cheesecake pancakes, so besides being high fat, high cholesterol, I think there were like 70 grams of fat or some, some terrible thing, but I looked at the salt content, 2,240 milligrams of sodium in the cheesecake Cracker Barrel pancakes, regular pancakes plus two eggs is 2,870 milligrams of salt. If you have Cracker Barrel homestyle chicken, you can get 2,740 milligrams of sodium. Oh, you want to be healthy and get the kids meal and you get the chicken tenders with the maple bacon glaze? That's 3,230 milligrams of salt with a whopping 42 grams of fat, which is 378 calories from fat. So 1,500 milligrams for the day, Seven to 800 would come from fruits and vegetables if you were to consume any, but if you're going to Cracker Barrel, obviously what I just talked about, there were no fruits or vegetables associated with that meal. Pure fat, salt. So that, can, that, that really can be um, the difference between having to take blood pressure pills and not having to take blood pressure pills, having to take a water pill every day to prevent heart failure and not having to take a, a water pill. Well, I gotta, I gotta tell you that um, when I'm coming home from the airport on occasion, I, I, I do like as far as a, a, a quick, you know, if I'm gonna grab something, Chipotle. You know, organic, you know, it's touted at more one of a healthier thing. But if you look, and, and I would encourage you if you, wherever you go out, if you go out to look at their nutritional facts menu, it's available on any, res, on any chain restaurant. A flour tortilla at Chipotle is 320 calories, get ready, 600 milligrams of sodium. That's just the tortilla. That's not the chips on the side. That's not the other stuff on the side. So one way to get around that is to have their veggie bowl, right? Their, their burrito bowl to get rid of that tortilla. I, w I was happy to find out that the pinto and black beans only have 210 milligrams of sodium per serving. And the fajita veggies only have 150 milligrams of sodium. So that was good. What about those, what about guac? And I'm always yelling at my patients to not eat guacamole. If you want to have a half avocado a day, great. But don't eat guacamole because you can smash up a lot of avocados to make guacamole. And, of course, people just don't eat smashed avocados. They have to, what you would call, doctor it up. And it's probably appropriate since most doctors eat terrible. 
So they doctor it up usually by adding sodium, and Chipotle is no different. Their guacamole has a whopping 700 milligrams of sodium per serving. Depending on what kind of uh, salsa you get, you also have a big swing. The red salsa is 500 milligrams versus 260 for the green uh, tortilla salsa. Sofritas, again, adding, uh, you know, the, the vegetable, the tofu that has seasoned can get you 560 milligrams of sodium. For the meat lovers out there, if you get the carnitas, that's 450 milligrams of sodium. So you can see that even someplace touted as, oh, and I forgot the queso blanco, I'm sorry, queso bianco large, 980 milligrams of sodium. So even if you go someplace where you think it's healthy, and there used to be a place called Sweet Tomatoes, you know, where they had uh, predominantly veggies and salads, but the dressings would be very salty. And of course, then they had a bar that was hot that had a bunch of things, and they had soups that were very salty. So even if you're fooling yourself when you go out saying, you know, I can eat anything here because it's healthy, um, not so, right? Uh, you have to pick and choose and, and be wise, and it's a really good idea to look at the nutrition facts. Panera is another one that, you know, and typically most restaurants, because salt is a preservative, salt kills bacteria. It's, you know, it's a good thing to have if you're a restaurant and you want people not to get sick. Um, but it's a bad thing if you want to not have high blood pressure or heart failure. So if you stay at home and you wash your counters and you wash your vegetables, then you don't have to worry about getting sick and you don't have to add salt. And you can get plenty of sodium. All you need seven to 800 milligrams a day anyway, the 1500s max. And you can do just as well at home. Plus you get the standing time and you're more or less, and you're much less likely to die of all cause, much, much less likely to die and much less likely to die of a cardiovascular event. So, um, Again, take control of your health, spend more time fixing your own meal, spend more time on your feet, and you'll have more time to have fun exploring little things. So I'm going to conclude that time does matter. We don't have all the time in the world to right our wrongs of 40 or 50 years. We have to make every day matter. I believe that organic food matters. Um, if it's organic, it's less likely to contain genetically modified organisms, glyphosate, pesticides, herbicides, all of which are poisonous to us. Low salt matters, as we talked about. Standing up matters. Um, and BMI matters. You know, we want our BMIs less than 24. Diabetes matters. If you have the diagnosis, you can normalize your body mass index normalize your body composition, normalize and change what you're eating and make that go away. When you have diabetes, no matter how mild it is, even if you call it glucose intolerance or metabolic syndrome, it increases your insulin-like growth factor, increases your risk of cancer, inflammation, heart disease. So there's no cleaning out when you go and get a procedure at one of these large mega hospital, mega centers, outpatient facilities. There's no fixing or cleaning out with a stent. It only is a temporary fix of a temporary blockage that does nothing to reverse cardiovascular disease or change your future prognosis. Only you can do that. There's no diabetic pill that can decrease your risk of cardiovascular events or death 
from diabetes. It won't cause you, there's a few that may cause you to lose a couple pounds because they make you nauseated, but it won't normalize your body max index, but you can. There's no immunosuppressants that help maintain or improve your immune system. There's no chemotherapy or radiation treatment that actually makes you better. It may make you survive the cancer, but in the end, it will not make you better. So it's best to have been able to avoid those things. There's no sleeping pill that, resource, that restores sleep in a way that actually serves your body well. The biggest secret that I'm going to tell you is that there's nobody else that can fix you but yourself. So your wife doesn't make your meals that are going to cure you. You're going to have to supervise uh, or your husband or whoever cooks for you. You need to be in control of your exercise program and what medicines you may be taking and ask questions. And you need to figure out the answer to the question is why you want to do it. And time does matter. So I hope that you will take this not that long of a podcast, maybe while you're walking, hopefully while you're standing, and take time to assess a few of these things, and I hope it makes you better. And there is a dirty little secret that we can help you here at drdelaney.com, D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com, achieve those things, because we kind of don't let people get away with it. I take it really personal uh, when people um, aren't taking the time to manage their health. And so we'd like to help you help yourself um, and give you the power to be in charge of your health. We have a full-time registered dietitian. Um, we have wellness challenges. We have a community of people that are on the fringe, you might say, that aren't part of the mass marketing to make us cogs in the big healthcare. So we are fringe individuals that want to take control of our health and want to be in charge of our longevity. So if you'd like to join us or you'd like questions about the practice or you have questions about the practice, feel free to give me an email, jamie at drdelaney.com. It's J-A-M-I at drdelaney.com. We'd love to have you in the practice. Um, we have multiple levels. Level one is nutrition advice only and access to our website uh, and everything that's involved in that. Level two is a call from myself and our registered dietitian once a month, as well as access to our website and the members only and nutrition class. Uh, our nutrition class are Zoomed uh, and put up on our members only website. So you have access to us cooking and teaching people the science behind plant-based nutrition on a weekly basis. And level three, I become your physician. So no matter where you are, I can be your doctor. We can get you off your medications. We can have a registered dietitian consult all that you need, and we help you to achieve your goal so that you can have time to experience all the wonders of this world and enjoy life. So thank you for listening. I have lots to do since I'm 60, and I'm going to get standing and doing it. Have a good evening.